European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 31, Focus Issue on Arrhythmias, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Causes and Prevention of Sudden Cardiac Death, ECG, Electroanatomical Mapping, Fibrosis, and Channelopathies. Sudden cardiac death is a devastating event for those involved and their families, and an ongoing challenge for physicians. While implantable cardioverter defibrillators have proven effective for those at high risk, many of those receiving it never have an event. On the other hand, many die suddenly without being considered for such an intervention. Obviously, the currently available risk assessment is not sensitive or specific enough. This applies in particular to those with non-ischemic cardiomyopathies. While current guidelines recommend implantable cardioverter defibrillators in symptomatic patients with a left ventricular ejection fraction less than or equal 35%, the recent Danish trial did not show benefit of prophylactic implantable cardioverter defibrillator implantation, although sudden cardiac death accounts for about one-third of all deaths among such patients. This dilemma is further discussed in a review entitled Primary Prevention ICD and Opportunities for Sudden Cardiac Death Risk Assessment in Non-Ischemic Cardiomyopathy by Rajat Dio and colleagues from the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. They remind us that recommendations of current guidelines are based on meta-analyses of multiple trials that span three decades and include the recent Danish trial. These pooled analyses report a significant reduction in all-cause mortality with implantable cardioverter defibrillator implantation compared with medical therapy alone. A refined approach of risk stratification, selecting those at highest risk for sudden cardiac death, may lead to an improvement in implantable cardioverter defibrillator efficacy. The authors highlight key markers of arrhythmia risk that hold promise in personalizing risk stratification for sudden cardiac death. For further risk assessment for sudden cardiac death and mortality, the amount of fibrosis within the myocardium, as assessed by cardiac MRI, has been suggested. However, electroanatomical voltage mapping might be the better diagnostic tool for fibrosis identification. In their article, Whole Human Heart Histology to Validate Electroanatomical Voltage Mapping in Patients with Non-Ischemic Cardiomyopathy and Ventricular Tachycardia, Katja Zeppenfeld and colleagues from the Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands evaluated electroanatomical voltage mapping to detect fibrosis in non-ischemic cardiomyopathy patients with ventricular tachycardias. Eight patients with non-ischemic cardiomyopathy and ventricular tachycardias underwent electroanatomical voltage mapping prior to death or heart transplantation, with mapping data being projected onto slices of the heart. Pattern, architecture, and amount of fibrosis was assessed in transmural biopsies corresponding to electroanatomical voltage mapping sites.
fibrosis pattern in 507 non-ischemic cardiomyopathy biopsies was highly variable and not limited to mid-wall-slash-sub-epicardium. Fibrosis architecture was rarely compact, but typically patchy or diffuse. In non-ischemic cardiomyopathy biopsies without abnormal fibrosis, unipolar and bipolar voltages showed a linear association with wall thickness. The amount of viable myocardium showed a linear association with both unipolar voltages and bipolar voltages. Accordingly, any cutoff to delineate fibrosis performed poorly. Fibrosis pattern and architecture are different from ischemic cardiomyopathy, and findings on ischemic substrates may not be applicable to non-ischemic cardiomyopathy. The implications of these findings are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Ardan Muama Saguna from the University Heart Centre Zurich in Switzerland. Cardiac conduction disorders are an important cause of sudden cardiac death. In their article, SCN5A Mutations in 442 Neonates and Children, Genotype-Phenotype Correlation and Identification of Higher Risk Subgroups, Alban Aluin Barateau and colleagues from Evelina London Children's Healthcare in the UK investigated characteristics and outcomes of 442 children less than or equal 16 years of age with a genetically confirmed SCN5A mutation. Phenotypes included isolated progressive cardiac conduction disorders, overlap phenotype, long QT syndrome type 3, and Brugada syndrome type 1, while 44% had a negative ECG. During six years, 272 cardiac events occurred in a third of the patients. Patients whose mutation localized in the C-terminus had a lower risk. Compound genotype, both gain and loss of function SCN5A mutation, age less than or equal one year at diagnosis, were independent predictors of cardiac event. There is an almost endless controversy regarding the choice of the QT correction formula to be used in ECGs in neonates for screening for long QT syndrome. In their article, For Neonatal ECG Screening, There is No Reason to Relinquish Old Bazet's Correction, Peter J. Schwartz and colleagues from the IRCCS Instituto Oxologico Italiano in Milan, Italy, compared the performance of four commonly used formulae, i.e. Bazet's QTCB, Friederica's QTCF, Framingham QTCL, and Hodges QTCH, and a new formula in 44,596 healthy neonates studied prospectively. The new neonate-specific exponential correction, or QTC-NEO, was derived using randomly selected ECGs and externally validated. Bazet's provided the most heart rate-independent correction, with the slope closest to zero, followed by Friederica's, Framingham, and Hodges. The QTC heart rate slope of neonate-specific exponential correction was similar to Bazet's. The ability to correctly identify neonates with long QT syndrome 
was best with Bazet's, Frederica's, and Neonate specific exponential correction. Cutoff values were 460 milliseconds for Bazet's, 394 milliseconds for Frederica's, and 446 milliseconds for Neonate specific exponential correction. These practically important findings are put into context in an editorial by John D. Fisher from the Montefiore Medical Center and the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York, USA. Management of patients with inherited cardiac ion channelopathy is complex and hindered by variability in disease severity and sudden cardiac death risk. In their article, A Common Comorbidity Modulates Disease Expression and Treatment Efficacy in Inherited Cardiac Sodium Channelopathy, Carol Ann Remmer and colleagues from the Academic Medical Center at the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands investigated the modularity role of hypertrophy, a known risk factor for arrhythmias and sudden cardiac death, in 164 individuals with the SCN5A1795INSD founder mutation and 247 mutation negative relatives. 38 mutation-positive patients died suddenly or suffered life-threatening ventricular arrhythmias. Almost half of them were aged over 40 years, many with hypertension and or cardiac hypertrophy. While pacemaker implantation was protective for bradycardia-related sudden cardiac death in young mutation-positive patients, some of those aged over 40 experienced life-threatening arrhythmias despite pacemakers. Most of them had hypertension or hypertrophy, pointing to a modulatory role of this comorbidity. Induction of hypertrophy in adult mice carrying the homologous mutation caused sudden cardiac death and excessive conduction disturbances, confirming a modulatory effect of hypertrophy in the setting of the mutation. The deleterious effects of the interaction between hypertrophy and the mutation were prevented by genetically impairing the pro-hypertrophic response and by pharmacological inhibition of the enhanced late-sodium current associated with the mutation. This study provides the clinical and experimental evidence for a modulatory effect of cardiac hypertrophy on arrhythmia risk and treatment efficacy in the inherited sodium channelopathy. The clinical implications of these findings are explored in an editorial by Lacopo Olivotto from the Referral Center for Cardiomyopathies in Firenze, Italy. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.